to be able to fully explain my views on the issue. I want to explain my views on the issue so well, I'll never have to do another episode to clarify about my So this is what I want to do. Um, I want to say that when it comes to supernaturalism, I think of the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit that is a Christian doctrine. I think of supernaturalism. I'm not sure if supernaturalism as it's been traditionally defined in religious texts are true, but I will say that I'm open to that kind of supernaturalism. I'm not sure if there are actual angels and actual demons in the world, but if they are, I'm open to their uh, existences. When I think of angels, I think of people like my grandma Clara, who was a Christian woman who poured a lot of chivalry into me. That was already innate. She just put more into me in terms of honor and respect of women, the favorite things she ever taught me. Uh, she helped me with self-respect and uh, honoring others and being well-mannered and being a constructive, productive human being. So when I think of angels, I think of her. When I think of demons, I think of rapists, killers, and those who do the heaviest of the heavy in terms of thought, word, and deed. So, when it comes to miracles, I'm not sure if actual miracles do exist, but they are open to them existing. Um, when I think of miracles, I think of how I am victorious over sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, racism, mental health challenges, um, adult supremacy, disability discrimination, a broken home, dysfunctional family, orphan syndrome, and other trauma syndromes. That's what I think of a miracle. Despite all I've been through, I've always been a sweet-hearted, sugary-natured type of human being. Um, I am open to believing in an actual Christ figure. There may have been a Christ figure who has been with us, I'm not sure. 
but I'm open to that being true. I still am uncertain. I have questions. I um, a humble curiosity. A kind of curiosity that is about being in love with truth and loving truth and love to all truths, all wisdom, all facts, all evidence. I'm open to being corrected. I'm open to being um, constructively criticized. I'm open to my misperceptions or any kind of miscalculations being lovingly pointed out and fixed by me for sure with with the help of uh, other decent people um i hope that jesus is the christ figure because i have the most connection with him I'll, I'll name some commonalities, but I'm not comparing myself to him in a blasphemous, sacrilegious way. I would never do that. Um, he and I dealt with abuse. He and I were child prodigies. and um, He and I suffered from loneliness and being misunderstood. And I had people around us that truly did not catch even a glimpse of our greatness. So I have the most commonality with Jesus of all the uh, religious figures that have been talked about, read about, and studied. I want to say my heart when it comes to what has happened with the concept of religious texts concerning infallibility and inerrancy. Um, I think that some parts of the Bible are perfect and some parts are not. I think some parts of all religious texts are perfect and some are not because when I think of perfect in this sense, I think of completeness and maturity. I think the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the shrewd manager, um, as told by Jesus, are examples of the Bible being um, infallible and inerrant in those kind of ways. I think that the stories that teach us how to be compassionate and empathy are also examples of infallibility and on all the other religious texts. I think the fallible, errant parts of all religious texts, including the Bible, are um, the patriarchal culture, uh, the The, the passages that talk about how to handle um, how 
how to handle genocide and the concept of God being genocidal. I think that, I don't think God is that angry. Um, I don't think God just goes around killing people. Um, I can understand self-defense. I can understand war. Um, Those are appropriate avenues for murder according to the law, even the military system. But when they say God kills and you have thou shalt not kill, that is vague because it doesn't explain what context is killing wrong and what context would God not be mad at you for killing? Are we talking about each and every context being wrong in terms of killing inside of God? Are we saying that it's just war, it's just self-defense, it's just both? Or so when we have God feeling genocide, uh, thou shalt not kill. I don't think God invented the whole I can do it but you can't, I can say it but you can't, I can think it but you can't, I can say it but you can't. That's not God, that's people. And I think that I feel that way towards any deity in any in all the respects. I actually feel that way about all the deities in all the respects because as as human beings, yes, we can have divine inspiration in all the religious texts. I think they are because when I think of the positive characteristics of human beings, those that's, those are definitely divinely inspired and divinely freed. The parts that are demonically inspired and demonically freed are the bigotries, the discriminations, the uh, the prejudices. I think that those are parts of the Bible and all the religious texts that have nothing to do with God. Has everything to do with a a realm of of, of sickness of the human soul. Uh, so who do I think is Lord and Savior? I'm open to whoever that is. It could be one person, it could be more than one person. I just want the truth. And I'm hungry for all truths and all wisdom, all facts and evidence necessarily. I want to lean and say Jesus. I'm not fully certain, but what he did for my grandma Claire, take a young black girl from North Carolina and had her to be one of the greatest women in the world. All her, you know, seven out of eight children are college graduates. Uh, They all influence law, commerce, politics, even media in the district area. Um, Was a social program assistant and was the pillar of her community and public housing. So even she would dance the way she would walk. 
despite the ankle issues. I can honestly say that Jesus did that to her. And what Jesus done for me is I found someone that resonates with me on countless things. Um, Every time I've read about Jesus, I automatically felt validated and comprehended. Um, Because I see a lot of myself in him. And I I would dare say, if he was around, I I see a lot of myself in you. So I want to say Jesus. Um, Not fully certain, but I I really hope it's him because he, um, his life, I can so relate to. I can so feel the resonance. I can so feel the relevance. Um, My views on the existence of God fluctuate. Overall, I think that there's at least um, one deity, aura, governance, hover of some divine kind. There may be more than one, and that's okay. I think there's just at least one. So I think there's a there could be a singular higher power or higher powers, you know? Hey, it's, it's all good. Um, I'm not fully certain of these beliefs of mine. I'm not fully uh, able to pinpoint how I know because these concepts are beyond my comprehension. That doesn't make me unintelligent. It just means that I hope to comprehend these things one day in this life or in the afterlife. Let's get to the afterlife. I hope there's a heaven. I think so. I think that that's where all the decent people go, whether Christian or non-Christian. I have always had a tough time with the concept of Christians going to heaven because of all the angelic people I met in life that did not live in a Christian home. So, I just think that God, the biblical one, has grace for people who are a lot like him, even though they may not be of the four walls called church. Um, But, if that's not true, I mean, it would be tough for me to accept that because I love the idea of religious pluralism. I love the idea of LGBT plus people with a heart to preach the gospel and live by it. I love the idea of women and children and with a heart for the gospel and preaching. You know, I have a heart for us people, women, and children who should be licensed and ordained because God is God is permeating their heart with God's 
do I attach gender to God? No. Um, they, Jesus is called a man, so that's why I call him him, because that's what the Bible says he is. But I do not attach gender to God or any deity, any supernatural being. I, I make them genderless, so they can be much more universally um, understood by me. Um, I have to say, if I had to choose between being an atheist or agnostic, I would be in the agnostic category. Um, if I had to choose between theism, agnosticism, and atheism, it would be a mixture of agnosticism and theism, meaning I hope that there's a higher power and I would love to believe in one, to know one, at least one. If there's more than one, okay, but at least one, cool. But my doubts, the uncertainties, the mysteries, the confusion, the skepticism that is strictly love-based and heart-based, um, that's what makes me have some agnosticism. Um, and people may wonder why I have these feelings when fluctuate. Let's see. I'm recovering from great trauma syndrome. I'm recovering from post-traumatic stress. I'm recovering from orphan syndrome. I'm recovering from general social anxieties. I'm recovering from depression. Um, I'm recovering from sexual performance anxiety. I'm recovering from gender and sexual diversity um, confusion that I felt based upon the traumas that happened to me. I resolved those, but sometimes those things like to get out of the head, so I still recover from that. Not knowing who I am when it comes to masculinity or when it comes to women, when it comes to my, you know, being a little kid, when it comes to what's my orientation, identity, sexual orientation, identity, I know what those are now, but sometimes I still feel those pains trying to come against me. Um, recovering from a sexual past that I give a lot of grace and mercy to myself, recovering from witnessing adult abuse, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, and tobacco abuse, and child abuse, and recovering definitely from direct child abuse for sure. You know, I'm just recovering from a lot of A lot of un the things that most people would find to be unspeakable and recovering from it. Recovering from ageism, ableism. I'm recovering from you know, political div divisiveness. Divisiveness when it comes to religion and race and identity politics, many kinds 
of divisiveness that are too numerous to name right now. Um, recovering from social injustice, last type of recovery I've been watching. So how would I classify myself? I would classify myself as someone who is concerned about conservative theology. Um, because it's so black and white in terms of verdicts, if you will, and I am a great area thinking person, so I find more great area embracing in terms of secularism slash secularity and religiosity, so I would classify myself as secular and non-religious because I think that there's so God is so big nothing and no one can contain him not even literature not even houses of worship not even denominations of people denominations. Just the concept of God is that uh, humongous. Um, a person that thinks that liberal theology is more more open to outreach to people who would be deemed as unrighteous by many conservative theology-minded uh, persons. I want to say that I don't mind Jesus dying on the cross. I think it, how I would understand that would be he died so people can live. I don't think he died because humans are born bad. Um, I, I think that there's so many scriptures, tablets of stones of scriptures too, that um, it would have to be updated and revised, you know, the old with the newer stuff, because it would be more comprehensive, more full comprehension that way. Well, if I didn't use the proper English, more comprehensive, it would be more in line with full comprehension. 
Um, as for the sin nature thing, um, I feel like sin should be a choice. I'm not saying people should do bad things, but sin should be something that you choose because if you're born in sin, can you really choose to be a sinner? Don't your actions make you a sinner instead of genetics? I'm just asking a heart-based question. Um, you know, when I think of purgatory, heaven or hell, I'm open to those three places being actual places. Um, now, what I would like hell to be temporary, purgative, remedial, corrective, purgatorial, of course. Can I rule out eternal hell? No, because I'm in this life. What I would like heaven to accommodate people decency yes can I say for certain that Christians are the only people that go there I don't know I hope God incorporates more people in heaven hopefully so is there a book of life or He's in heaven, or um, the pearly gates, or the mansion, or the streets of gold. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I think what makes certain parts of any religious text fallible and errant are. When we when we talk about people who aren't Christian or who aren't what the religious is supposed to be, my concern is that the easy promotion of us versus them mentality I found that to be what many people have done with the faith. Majority of people of any faith are not us versus them, but a lot are. So my concern is, is the quality of the writing of each religious text actually good? Because if so, why is it so easy to have the Crusades or the Inquisitions or the Salem witch trials? Virgin births and resurrections. I see that, I see resurrection used in the Bible. I just wish that that resurrection applied to each and every innocent person who was killed or who did not get to live a, a, a peaceful life on earth. I wish. Like the angels and demons, you don't hear a lot about appearances, but it's like 
if they are in the Bible, how come they're not as prevalent in terms of them being reported and seen as they are today? I don't understand. Um, I just love being honest about my feelings. This is more off the top of my head. I'm not sure about the duality between good and evil. I really don't know. I understand. But um, I'm definitely a figurative when it comes to religious texts because I think there's more wisdom there. Wow, when it comes to literalism, it causes a lot of clickish behavior that I'm very concerned about. I'm not saying everybody in religion does that, but because most people in religion don't, but there's a handful that does, unfortunately. Um, you know, these are my views on religion. Like, I do have a God consciousness, a, a Christ consciousness, universal Christ consciousness. I have a higher consciousness. I overcame sin consciousness, meaning being so obsessed with sin that you you indulge in it to the point where you're just a heartless human. I overcame the consciousness of the flesh and spirit are odds, even though they're actually friends. My flesh can bless the flesh of others. For example, I helped an elderly woman across the street. My spirit blessed her spirit because I allowed her to experience empathy for me. And I, and I had empathy, not just for her soul, but for her flesh. I said, I want to protect her. I want her to be on earth more so she can do more, hopefully, uh, positive activities on this earth. So that's how I see things. This is the best religious episode, the episode of religion I've ever done. It's more on the top of my head. This clarifies any of the other things I've been saying. Um, so, I just want to say that it's been awesome to share these views on religion. Um, I feel like God is written inside of us and not so much outside of us. That religion, from my experience, teaches people to go outside for what's inside. But I think if you know there's a God, hopefully, you know, then God is more internal than external. So, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart, scripture says. So to me, godliness is within us all. What we choose to do with it, that that determines the type of person we are and are not. So I hope growing up, I was always hoping to enter heaven alive. 
like Enoch, even Elijah in the Bible. To meet my grandma, I hope she's there. Um, purgatory, I think, I've always loved the concept because I think God's grace may extend even the afterlife. I hope, I hope to think that. I can't say for certain, but I hope to think that. Um, I'm really grateful to share these thoughts because this episode clarifies all the other episodes I've done about religion. I I love all houses of worship, and I want to say this on record. I am for the human rights, the civil and political rights, and the economic, social, and cultural rights of people of all religions, all faiths, F-I-T-F-A-I-T-H-S, all spiritualities. I'm for the all-around goodness of all houses of worship. In fact, from time to time, I may be in a house of worship, you know, or the house of worship, because as a human rights person, uh, people of faith and protecting faith in terms of allowing it to remain because of how it impacts people in a lot of beautiful ways. We, uh, human rights people like myself, we fight for the perseverance of faith and spirituality, regardless of how we feel about it or not. Our job is to help uh, people of faith still be able to be about faith, you know. And I can't say that I would never be in a house of worship, any house of worship again, because it's unrealistic and unreasonable. If you're a human rights person, you have to be where the people of faith are. So, would I be in? Would, would I ever be in a church again? Many times throughout my life, would I ever be in a mosque or a temple or a synagogue? Many times throughout my life, that's going to happen because you have to meet people where they are. It's okay for faith people to meet me where I am, but I also have to meet them where they are because reciprocity is a major importance in the human rights universe. So we have to meet people where they are, not just having to meet. Uh, them or that meet us where we are you know. so I think that I absorb all the wisdom from all religions all faiths, all spiritualities all secular ideologies all secular philosophies you know Um, I really want to say this on the record. There are things about religious texts that I live by in terms of, you know, being, you know, being self-controlled and self-disciplined. What I like about the secular ideologies and philosophies is the being okay with improving, enhancing one's logic and reasoning and critical thinking skills. So I add the best of both worlds, if you will, to my nobility of character. I'm really thankful to have this conversation with you all. And I'm always open to 
growth and development and maturity and being more complete, being more holistic, more whole, more wholesome, um, a better person, better in worldviews, better in life views, better in perspectives, opinions, convictions, um, and perceptions. I just want to say that I really enjoyed doing this episode. I think it was fantastic. This is my spiritual humanism because I think all good people, secular and faith-based, are all being godly in the sense that they're all being of empathy and compassion, which means endearment. Those are my stances. It's very important to me. Very urgent to me too. And it's something that I truly embrace. And I'll say one more thing. A lot of people may wonder why I say things about the things that I do episodes on. It's because there's so much things being swept under the rug that I say, now I'm going to uncover and divulge because I don't think it's godly to sweep anything out of the rug. You know, I think to be godly is to be a revealer, a healer. I love the concept of a loving God. It does feel intoxicating to me at the same time. Anything that's supernatural are all unfilled blanks and unanswered questions all question marks to me that's how I feel about any and all subjects relating to religion, faith, and spirituality that's what makes me secular and not religious it doesn't make me difficult it doesn't make me unfriendly it means that there's I have the ultimate gray areas of my life, meaning the type of gray areas of my life most people would be speechless and jaw drop without any sound coming out because the difference between gray areas and the gray areas of my life, you know, with all the type of beasts I told y'all about. So I just want to say thank you all for understanding.